0: This episode of the Vergecast brought to you by Qualcomm Snapdragon Gigabit LTE, with download speeds up to seven times faster than typical home Wi-Fi. Snapdragon Gigabit LTE can turbocharge all of your connected apps. You can stream 360-degree videos in 4K resolution with minimal buffering. You can access files in the cloud nearly as fast as you would if they're stored on your phone. And you can download hours of movies or music in a matter of seconds. To learn more, visit Snapdragon.com/Gigabit today. Hello, and welcome to The Vergecast, Cast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com and the Vox Media Podcast Network. Absolutely. Somebody tweeted at me today, I listen to Ezra Klein's show. He didn't mention you.
1: Wow. <laughs> I'm going to make this be happen. <laughs> <laughs> by hook or by crook.
0: <laughs> and mostly by telling Ezra about it.
1: Anyway, I'm Eli Patel. Paul Miller is here. Hello. Dieter Bone is here. Hello. How's it going, man? We missed you last time. I am awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I was with uh, my family, who is great. Are great. Yeah. There's more than one of them. Family first, I say, but
0: only after podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) We actually have a packed show. There's lots of little news, uh, but importantly, Next Level, Lauren Good's show about technology in the labs is back. Season two is underway. She's done it again. She went and found another level <laughs> by gum. Uh, <laughs> so she's gonna join us, uh, and we're gonna talk to her about uh, the episode she just did, which is about uh, people making memories in VR headsets. So, like parents capturing their babies in volumetric VR so they can go look at the kids again. Uh, USC Show Foundation is capturing Holocaust survivors and, and holograms so people can actually interact with them as other re- like crazy stuff. So, Lauren's gonna join us later, uh, and that's gonna be really fun. As always, I'm going to plug Caitlin Tiffany and Ashley Carman's podcast, Why'd You Push That Button, the other ship in this fleet, mm-hmm. uh, potentially a cooler ship. They might be a really cool ship. <laughs> they're a really cool <laughs> ship. They are, they're, the, they're the better ship. But anyway- they, they talked about sharing streaming passwords. They talked about sharing streaming passwords this week. Super fun episode. Um, why'd You Push That Button, still just sitting at the top of all the charts on mm-hmm. all the apps. Uh, doing great on Spotify, interestingly enough. Uh, so go listen to that in iTunes, Podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Go check out that show. Uh, Paul and I are hosting a Circuit Breaker show. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But most importantly, this show is packed to the gills with news. And I want to start with the most important news of the week, mm. which is that Samsung put out an ad Oh my God! that has a guy <laughs> in it and his haircut is shaped like the notch on the iPhone 10, which is just... The funniest thing, and Paul, I know you, I, you in
1: particular have many thoughts about this. I will. It's very admit, subtle for Samsung. It right? is very they, subtle. they they, they did the—the the commercial with uh, I believe there's a thing God Love. I forget the name of that band already because it doesn't the matter. The Darkness, their one hit. That, that was the Darkness. They—they they had two they did, hits. They did ads with the Darkness. But the Darkness definitely they, had two hits.
2: What was your other hit? I can't remember. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, first thing I should say. I did not scroll down Tom Warren's excellent post. Yeah. And see this screenshot of the notch haircut. The notch haircut yeah, is that's real. Hilarious and yeah. amazing. It's make Okay, I loved this ad. Just tell tell people what the ad is. Okay, there's a guy and he 2007 gets the first iPhone and he's like, "Hey, guess what I got?" He like picks up the phone. Yeah. "Guess what I got?" He runs out of storage, mm-hmm. you know. Then he gets like the next iPhone and it falls in the water. And meanwhile, his girlfriend is having a, a, a great time with her Samsung products. Yeah, and her, big screens. Yeah, when her phone falls, she, she, she gets his information using a stylus. It,
0: I will say at no point during this ad does TouchWiz, TouchWiz make any sounds, right. which is yeah. horrible. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Nor is,
0: it sh- is she shown operating TouchWiz. Just the, putting
2: that in there. A, 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 the real culmination is her phone's charging on some wireless dock. And he's got dongles and everywhere. He's got so many got dongles.
1: 50 dongles. Yeah. yeah. But
2: here's what, what I loved about this ad. If you think about the traditional template for a commercial, it's like you, without this product, not cool. Yeah. You with this product, all, all the people of the opposite or same gender come flocking. Yeah. You are sexually attractive and better because of this product. What the story here tells is that he meets someone with a different a phone of a different operating system, and they love each other. <laughs> <laughs> they take care of each other, they look out years. for each other. yeah, there's a, there's a decade of a, a beautiful relationship built with two people with phones. different platforms.
0: Yeah. She never says, "Why are you on the green bubbles?" Or he never says that to her, presumably.
2: He accepts her for the green bubbles (laughs) that she – and she accepts him for all his dongles. (laughs) It's perfect. And so I I just like that. Like, you know, they make some – like all sorts of great digs at Apple for for various things. And obviously you could criticize Samsung for a lot of things. But they don't hinge the relationship's success on which phone he chooses. I just thought that was a great, great commercial. It's good. I think it's a hilarious commercial
0: because the iPhone 10 is going to, like, blow Samsung out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a week later, right? Yeah. Like last week was the big iPhone. We have it. Reviews. It's a week later. And it's – people are loving the thing. When they try and Emoji Karaoke type
1: the letter I. Yeah,
0: we should – so we should talk about that. The, I think that <laughs> we should we – a lot of phone news happened this week. I know there's yeah. a lot of phone news every week. But the two phones we have been talking about the most recently, Pixel XL2, uh, iPhone 10, iPhone 10. And to be off to a strong start. You can actually get it in not a great time frame, but it's like three weeks now. It's not. People thought it, you would just not be able to get one. Mm-hmm. You can get one. It's about three weeks from the Apple store. But hilariously, Apple has like a machine learning problem that seems to be the, the undercurrent here, where when you type the letter I, the autocorrect replaces it with like a question mark box and the letter A. And so yeah, just, just the Unicode glyph for like, I don't know what this
1: is. Yeah. I, I, I can't render this text.
0: And some people are just rolling with it. So you like look at Twitter. I get text, and it's just like, fine. <laughs> this is the letter I now. <laughs> We're changing the language. It's just move on. Um, some people you can change. You can like set up a text replacer. I turned off autocorrect on my phone, which is a way you can fix it. Uh, not recommended strategy because I am bad at typing. I realized without autocorrect. So I'm just I'm just sending crazy misspelled text messages all the time. I
1: think there's yeah. something. So f- I don't have a ten yet. It's, is this happening to everybody? It's, a, it's
0: iOS 11. Yep. So it's like a bu- it's like a bug that spreads. It's really weird. Oh, so it it start like, like I like sent a virus. Oh, huh, I sent yeah. It's the wrong kind of viral marketing campaign for Apple. Um. So I sent it in to our tips line overnight when it started happening. And I saw some tweets about it, and like Vlad couldn't reproduce it. Right, it hadn't spread right. there yet, and now it's like everywhere. Apple put out a software update today, but for all of their like machine learning, we do AI to differential privacy. It's like, oh, there's a downside here, and sometimes the downside is like really stupid. Yeah, wait.
2: So you have a theory you were saying? Well, no, I just I just feel like autocorrect is is. Is incorrect. I've got I've got a note on this somewhere.
1: Actually, I have an autocorrect story. While Paul looks, uh, you know, there's this there's this uh, there's this Twitter joke where you like type in a phrase and then you let the keyboard's autocomplete keyboard finish the phrase. Yeah. So it's like you know I was born and then let autocorrect tell your life story or whatever. Um. So I thought this was funny and I thought I'd make a joke and my joke was instead of I was born or I died or whatever the joke might be, my joke would be hail Satan. <laughs> And then let auto correct finish the uh, the sentence, and uh, it worked. And I got a lot of people on Twitter to say "Hail Satan," which yeah. was my goal. Yeah, um, but I had to mute it because it was too much. Uh, but here is the fascinating thing: "Hail Satan" is not a phrase that most people type. It turns out, and so everybody's keyboard, both Android and iOS, follows with nearly the same thing, including the official Church of Satan account, which, uh, by the way, is very <laughs> thirsty on Twitter. <laughs> And the phrase that follows Hail Satan on everybody's phone is basically, Hail Satan was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I get it. I don't know what that means.
2: Yeah. You know, once most of the people who say that. So it's, probably- definitely, it's def- definitely basing it on just the previous word, not the previous two words.
1: No, it, it depends on the platform and the, the keyboard that I you're know. using. But it can base it on more than just the previous word. Google's very good at it. SwiftKey actually did this before anybody. Uh, and now everybody kind of bases it on
2: more than just the previous word. Okay. This, this this is my autocomplete thing. The keyboard should autocomplete based on words in your current document. So this happens to me a lot. If I'm writing about somebody, like some proper noun, mm-hmm. um, or... Or uh, like at church, I write Bible words. Yeah, and I use that word over and over. It should like auto- I feel like that should be one of the first suggestions. The other thing right. is that if I type a word that is in the dictionary, that's what I meant to type. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll fix it if I if I did the wrong dictionary word. Yeah, but don't assume that I didn't mean. To type that word because that word is in the dictionary. I didn't misspell anything. If if you can't find the dictionary, maybe you can replace it. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now with autocomplete. Just turn it off. I've been living a
0: wild life of just sending random strings of letters to people and realizing most people know what I'm trying to say.
1: It's yeah, just like completely out of control. I'll turn it off. See what happens. Um, <laughs> Neil, you should old man it and uh, use the microphone button to dictate into your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the move. I've done it. It's great. Machine it learning, really bug
0: Surprisingly good. Turns us all into maniacs, screaming at our phones. Um, the other thing to note: um, we have this too. iOS eleven adoption is behind previous versions. So I will say this: yeah. um, at the end of the review video, the iPhone ten review video, I just like lightning around answered some questions, and the last one I answered was: Is iOS eleven still kind of janky? And I was like, iOS eleven still kind of janky, and everyone got mad at me. Um, because that's what happens on the internet. But iOS eleven is definitely pretty janky, and I think people are holding back from upgrading because they've heard there's, so much about there's
2: it. There's this meme out there like, "Well, I, I I just updated, and now I guess I have to get a new phone. Thanks Apple, you make the it make it slow, so we have to get a new phone." I don't feel that with a typical Apple update, but a lot of people seem to feel like. So that I that's asked the case. actually during the review, I didn't, I couldn't figure out where to slot this into the review. Um, but you know,
0: Apple's very proud of the ten. The ten is screaming fast. It's basically the same internals as the eight, but it feels a thousand. I don't know if it's the gestures. I don't know if it's the app switcher. What it is, it feels way faster than the eight to me. Really? Yeah, it's like wild. Like switching. I think it's remarkable. It's mostly like app switching is so so fast on it. Like you just swipe along the bottom, and the the previous apps just like are there and ready to go. So there's just a perception of speed. There is. This is a complete tangent from even this other tangent. But so it goes. It's the verge cast. Um, the ordering of apps when you switch is enough to break your brain. So what? So like, say you're—I don't know—you're in the Twitter app, and you slide left, to right along the bottom to go back to Gmail. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. At some point, Gmail becomes the first app. So then you can't swipe right to left to go back to Twitter.
2: But if you did it right away,
1: yeah, if you did it right away. But if, if you th- did it right away, it's there. But as soon as you switch, then it goes it goes into the previous slot in the most recently right. use And if you yeah yeah, so like it's almost like if you have a bunch of cards on a phone, you want to order them spatially and then be able. It's to It's exactly
0: WebOS, but WebOS kept the, it locked the spatial relationships of the apps. Yeah, iOS does not lock and it the, grouped sp- them. Yeah, it's not doing any of that. So like, it's just yeah. if you if you start to think about the apps that way and you're like switching around and trying to <laughs> swipe on the bottom, you're not in any order. You're That's in some order terrifying. that at some point can be reset to another order. Anyway, my point of all of this <laughs> circling all the way back around is app switching is great because the phone feels really fast, and Apple's justifiably proud of their massive performance lead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you have such a performance lead, you have all of this headroom, and you know you're not using all of it now because your operating system or your apps run on phones from two years ago, why is it that people always complain that their phones get slow with a new upgrade? Because the iPhone seven still potentially has tons of headroom. The iPhone 6S still has tons of headroom. Right? People most people are not playing tons of games on these phones. Then you can and the app store will send you the right binary for your phone anyway. So what is the what is the point of all this headroom if every two years people think their phones slow down? Like and they're like, Yeah, it's just a conspiracy theory. We can't prove it. You know, we can't prove that it's not true because people are just gonna believe what they want to believe. Mm. Um, and they said, that the only time this has ever really been a problem is the iPhone 4. So they hmm. they did whatever update for the iPhone 4, and then the next version of iOS came out, and 4s got really, really slow, and they spent a ton of time fixing it to make the 4 fast again. But I think that question of Apple's got all this headroom. There's no way that a two-year-old phone should feel slow if every single year they're like, this is the fastest phone ever made. You should get more than two years of use out of it. And like, I'm with you. Like, I rarely feel like a new iOS update makes my thing slow, but it's such a meme. Yeah. People feel it for some reason. There's there's something there that I think is interesting. I I
1: do know my phone slows the hell down when I uh, haven't updated apps in a while. I'm like,
2: oh, yeah, sure. Update all. Oh. (laughs)
1: And then I just have to walk away from the phone for half an hour.
2: They have a bunch of animations in iOS that are almost a second. They should just half them. This is why I think my Pixel feels really fast.
1: Yeah, you can turn. In, in fact, Neil, on your Pixel, you can go. You can turn on Developer Options and just turn off the animations. Oh you my can just, yeah. like, you can, gosh! You can adjust the speed of the animations and okay. basically make them make them go away. What a just Dream. swipe around
0: this phone. And this is a Pixel XL two. I'm handing Paul. Like it's a rocket ship because nothing animates or any, things hardly animate at all. And it's just like you're just banging it out of things. I showed somebody my Pixel one, and they're like, "This phone's so fast." It's was like, "It's way behind the curve now, mm-hmm. but it still feels really fast." With yeah, animations. Anyway, speaking of the Pixel, um, yeah. All right, here's the thing that happened. I, I think, Dieter, you don't have this update, but I have this update. Google put out the screen saturation upgrade. I'm going to up- spend the rest of the
1: vergecast at- tapping the update button. By the way, this uh, is so frustrating.
0: So the way this update works, I think Google is very unhappy about having to do this. Um, yeah. So the the Pixel XL2, when it launched, as so everybody knows, had like many many questions about the screen. That started with these colors look kind of muted to is the screen burning in to you know, the white's grainy. The shi- blue is shifting everywhere. The one thing they could definitely solve in software was the color saturation. Mm-hmm. So they put out an update. They said it's going to work a lot more like the Pixel 1. They insist on calling it an unmanaged color space. Like, like you're that. venturing into like Mad Max shit with these I would colors. read
2: a sci-fi novel that explored I mean, the unmanaged the <laughs> color <laughs> space. Here's the quote from Mario Corri- Cor- Coraz.
1: I'm sorry. I can't pronounce your name. Um from the update that they said, this is what our update's going to do. The saturated mode puts a display into an unmanaged configuration, similar to how the Pixel 1 operates. The colors will be more saturated and vibrant, but less accurate, similar to how most other smartphones <laughs> display by, by colors. colors. <laughs> We give consumers the option. Yeah, you know, you should
2: pick choose color saturated saturation. mode.
1: It looks
0: so much better.
2: <laughs> this is like a parent whose kid just loves ketchup sandwiches. <laughs> you idiot. I will, I will prepare you a ketchup sandwich because I do not want you to starve to death, but you're so stupid. <laughs> do you eat ketchup sandwiches as a joke? No, I, <laughs> You hate them.
0: I was a good kid. Now I have to try one. Who knows what I've been missing out on? Like most yeah. other smartphones, I love a good ketchup sandwich. <laughs> uh, so I switched mine. James Barham switched his. We're both like running around. No, J- James Barham switched his. He was a huge proponent. He loved it. Of yeah, the But he switched it. And now he's all happy. I think it looks way better.
1: Uh, I think, I if think they, Google's had, not giving it to me out of spite. I think if they
0: had shipped this by default, all of this other stuff would have would have gone away. It would have gone away because he wouldn't have had. People would have still talked about blue shift. It's still super annoying. This screen is tall enough that I can see it from the top to the bottom just when I hold it. If I don't line it up exactly right, mm-hmm. so like if I load up Wait, a white, you can see what to, from the top of the, the blue shift. The so blue if you shifts. just hold the phone, oh, hold it in your hand, I see what you're saying. Um, and if you don't if you don't line it up right, you can just see the blue shift from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen when you're just looking at it.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't have to like
0: go look for it. Yeah. Um, so that people would have talked about that, I'm sure. The whites are still grainy, like you can see grain on the screen. Um, But if the colors had been bright, I think a lot of people would have forgiven the other stuff, where it would have been a smaller tech nerd thing. But you line up all the things, including the, hey, this display looks dull, hey, the thing. Anyway, it's out. I love it. If you have a Pixel
1: XL2, you should just put it in that unmanaged.
0: Live that life. Live that unmanaged life. they got to deliver
1: it to me first, and I'm not... (laughs) <laughs> maybe if I switch maybe if I switch my carrier to Project Phi, that'll jump me to the front of the line. I, I, I know I can manually install it, but I um, I have not done that. So Dieter, you and Vlad had a fight on the website about how big of a problem the screen really is. Was it, you, a fight? it was a it was a it was good a, natured sure. debate. It was a TIFF. Yeah, we brought back uh, we brought back uh, Ping Counterping. So, uh, by the way, I can get into why we call it Ping Counterping. We had a very long argument about brand- that branding at the foundation of The Verge. So, um, this is my phone. I bought this phone. I actually bought the other phone, too, uh, the, the two. Been using it, saw the stuff off the screen. I was very worried about the burn-in possibility. Google says it's not a problem. Sure, I trust Google. Uh, the image retention is very difficult to see. Uh, for me, you can see it. I'm I'm trusting it's not going to get worse over time. Uh, and when you look at that, and it's like, oh well, that's bad. Expanding that I shouldn't do that. That's true. On the other hand, I just want a big, dumb screen. <laughs> I the, the screen on the two is too small, and I don't want a Galaxy S8 because I hate TouchWiz or sorry, the Samsung Experience, <laughs> which is what it's called now. I'm waiting for my iPhone 10 to arrive, but I tend to prefer Android over iOS because uh, Android doesn't have ridiculously stupid notifications uh, like iOS does. And so I I look at the spectrum of phones out there and the Pixel 2 XL is the one. It has the best camera. It has a big dumb screen. It has good software. uh, It has very good battery life. It, It has all the things except a headphone jack. And that's why my SIM card is going back in my Pixel 1. Yeah. Your SIM card, dude, just stop it. <laughs> you, need to, I need, you need to stop talking about how you're going to use a Pixel. You just do. Like,
0: I used one for unless, like two weeks. You, it was like, great.
1: And, what, and wh- what are you doing now? It's in this iPhone 10, which because is a lovely object what? that I enjoy holding. Because of iMessage. You are <laughs> never leaving iMessage. It's really hard. Just admit
0: it. You know, the worst part it. is that the phone automatically re-enrolled me. And so now I have to like do it again.
1: I have to, yeah. like, get out of it again. I'm going to do it though. If you, so it's weird that it auto re enrolled you because it, it, iPhones used to do that to me, but they seem to have stopped. There might be a special Dieter flag that says <laughs> don't auto re enroll Dieter because he'll bitch about it on Twitter. Yeah, probably.
0: Oh, I message. Yeah. All right, I'm going to read an ad. There's still, like I said, lots of little news, but all of it important yeah. in its special way. Um, I'm going to read an ad. We're going to talk to Lauren uh, and then we're going to come back with more of this, the Vergecast. This episode of the Virchast brought to you by Parachute. Parachute products are all designed at headquarters in Venice Beach. Their sheets have a modern, clean design that works with any style of home. The natural colors and minimalist styles are gender-neutral. Parachute incorporates thoughtful design details like back envelope closure on their pillowcases and soft rubber buttons on the bottoms of their duvet covers. Easy to mix and match between all of their colors and fabrics. So, Visit ParachuteHome.com Verge for free shipping and returns on your own set of sheets. Plus, Parachute offers a 60-night trial, so if you don't love it, just send it back, no questions asked. That is ParachuteHome.com slash Verge for free shipping and returns. Lauren Good.
3: Milai Patel.
0: How you doing? Your next level is back. You're back on the Vergecast to talk about it. This is so exciting.
3: I'm coming to you from another dimension right now, and it is my hologram speaking. <laughs> That's how you know Next Level Season 2 has begun.
0: Yeah, the, the, the theme of this episode is Lauren takes slightly different forms in every episode. <laughs> no, you actually do have a theme. We'll talk about that. So Next level is back. We... Um, if you've been listening to Verchast, you know uh, Next Level was Lauren Good's show where she looks at the tech that's in the labs, not the stuff we can buy. Uh, we had Lauren on every episode of that show uh, every week that, uh, that first season was on to talk about it. We're going to do the same thing obviously this season. But this season you have – a theme you're 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 trying to you're trying to focus in on one part of the puzzle here. So what, what what's going on with that?
3: Yeah, when we were talking to different companies and research institutions about the things that we were interested in looking at this season, we started to realize in some of our early production meetings that we were stringing this theme together, and a lot of it had to do with just the human impact and the human element of things. And granted, tech impacts all of us in some way. So you could argue that all of tech or almost all of tech has an impact on the human experience or alters the human experience in some way. But this felt very strongly like the theme that was emerging this season. Uh, and I felt like there was no better way to kick it off than to talk about people turning their loved ones into holograms <laughs> because that's, what that's what we do. You know what I always now, think about apparently?
0: We- <laughs> well, I want to talk about the episode because the episode is super fascinating and I think equal parts like heartwarming and then extremely creepy. But it occurs to me as I was watching it so much of what I rely on technology to do for me is to have a better memory than I do. Like, I have a crap memory. It takes me so long to remember like a face and a name. I forget what I ate for breakfast. This like I'm just a terrible memory. The only thing my memory is good for is remembering specs of phones from like 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> and that's great. It served me well in this career as like a social human being. I'm like, who are you that we met? But your this first episode is all about not just like augmenting your memory or assisting your memory, but creating like an entirely new kind of memory with VR. And it seems. I'm just so curious about that. Like, tell them what the episode's about, but then I, I want to talk about that sort of like new kind of memory because it was such a theme with the people that you talk to.
3: Uh, well, first of all, I may I recommend that you lay off the scissor vodka because <laughs> that may help with your retention of information. Uh, it's already gone, uh,
0: right? Like now, I'm yeah. well
3: just no. It's true. You kind of get to. I mean, I've I've been there. You get to an age where you start to think like, oh, am I just am I getting a little bit older, or is there too much information in my brain and I yeah. just can't possibly remember it all, or have I've been drinking scissor vodka? <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um. So the episode is about a couple of different studios. Um, um, and they both happen to be in the Los Angeles area where people have been using um, holographic video to create these little time capsules of people. And they really the episode really runs the gamut. I mean, we started at a studio that's been making like, doing this side project where they've been using the technology they have at their disposal to make these holographic videos of people's kids, like think, think like LA moms bringing in their kids and instead of getting baby photos made, they're getting holograms made. Uh, and then we kind of ended up in doing our research at the total other end of the spectrum where we ended up at USC's Shoah Foundation. Uh, Shoah Foundation, uh, fun fact, was founded by Steven Spielberg in 1994, and the foundation has been devoting itself for the past 20, 23 years to capturing testimonies of people who survived genocides. So they're all about researching genocide, which is just one of the you know the deepest, darkest. Topics you can yeah. sort of dive into, and um, I was able to talk to a Holocaust survivor survivor as a hologram. Uh, it was the combination of they had captured him in holographic video, but they also had developed their own natural language processing system, where when I was speaking with him, I could ask him questions as though he was right there, and he would answer in this very sort of natural way because they at some point had spent a week. Asking him fifteen hundred questions and getting those answers in the database and getting his likeness and his being in their database and created this thing uh, and so it, it, you know it's like really crazy to think about how our minds kind of perceive and consume media now, and for the most part that's on a flat 2d display or 2D, you know, flat 2 d environment yeah but is the future of like talking to people? In the, fu- like in the future when they may have changed, like if you're a small child now, but then one day you're grown up, right? Like, do you go back and experience that interaction with that child in a way that actually feels real? Or do you talk to someone who's no longer living in a way that feels real? And that's like, that's where things got really crazy.
0: Yeah, that to me, that's the turn, right? Like, that's not a kind of recollection we've ever been able to have. And so the it's funny, you, you really did run the gamut of things you'd want to experience, right? Like, I'd like to play with my kid again versus this is an indelible, important part of human history that we need to talk about and, like, hear firsthand accounts of. But let's start with the kids because that is where your episode started. Um, so they sat down in a room. It looked like kind of the Matrix bullet time. How, like, how do they capture that? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, it's funny that you say Matrix, because this particular company, they used to be at a sound stage in Culver City where scenes from The Matrix had been filmed. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like I, if I can just work The Matrix into every <laughs> episode in some way, that would be we've succeeded. Um, well, if you don't mind, I would love to just back up a little bit and yeah. talk a little bit about how I found this story, um, because this company, which is called 8i, they, I had done a report on them in January or February of this year. So I had spent a day down at the company in Culver City at the time and just learned how they were making volumetric video. And for the most part, they're doing a lot of uh, content around cute pets and celebrities and NBA stars. And think of it, a lot of it is like marketing, right? Like I'm going to insert this hologram of John Hamm into an app uh, right around the time that his movie is coming out at Sundance.
0: Wait, can you quickly explain what volumetric video is?
3: Sure, yeah. So there's been a lot of talk about 360 video um, or spherical video, and it's being used in VR. Um, Think about when you're wearing a VR headset and you're looking at an environment around you. You're looking around and you're seeing, like, you know, a new wall or a different floor, or you're in, like, a video game environment, right? Like, you're experiencing 360 video, but you're looking at the things around you. With (laughs) these kinds of video assets, the cameras are all pointed inward. So, they instead of capturing things, they may also create a VR environment for you to experience it in. But for the most part, the cameras, you know think of like 50 cameras being pointed at you from all angles and capturing you or or an object or an animal or whoever it is um, in your full volume so that when they place that video asset into a virtual environment, you're able to go up to it and walk around it and peer into its eyes or look at the underside of it and just see the volume of it in a way that you wouldn't be able to see normally.
0: And this is like a Does big deal sense? for VR. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the this is like the next step for VR, right? You've if you think about the classic 360 video camera, we've covered a ton of them on The Verge now. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a lens and you like stick it and like captures the world around it. But the next step is to put things in the world so that when you're wearing a headset, you can like walk around the world and look at stuff, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah. So that when you experience objects in that world, the objects feel real and volume. I mean, we have volume as beings or objects have volume. So it's kind of creating that in a digital environment. And, um, and, it's still very expensive and it's highly technical. So there are, of course, barriers to making it. But this company has been doing it. And when I first visited them uh, on a reporting trip earlier this year, someone who worked there just said very like offhanded to me, you know, like there's this woman who came in early on to do kind of like a like a spec test for us. You know, like we needed a baby and a mom together, and we were going to just test them out and see how they looked in volumetric video. And her experience was so the mom's experience was so emotional. That she kept coming back. She yeah. ended up coming back. I think she's been back four or five times now, um, and she's she's come back every six months or so to get updates of her child. Uh, first, her first child Reese, and then her now her second child Wilder. Um, in like made, have them made into holographic format. So that she can either on her phone or in a VR headset kind of go back and visit them from when they were tiny little babies. Um, And they're still pretty small. I mean, I think (laughs) Wilder's one year and the little girl is now uh, nearly three. But uh, I heard this and then this person said, yeah, and like some other people in the area, like employees and friends of the company have also been doing this. And I was like, hold on a second. like, (laughs) (laughs) Hold up the bus. What is happening here? Is this just like some LA thing, or is this is this like really happening? And uh, and so just due to timing, and uh, you know we we get s- caught up in so many stories of The Verge. I didn't have time to come back and revisit the story until now, but we thought this is perfect for Next Level. We need to really explore what people are doing here, and that's kind of what got the wheels turning.
0: Yeah. So you, they capture the mom and the baby, and then she was wearing what just a regular Vive headset, and she could like go back and look at the baby again.
3: Yeah cuz originally when she first started doing this it was a couple of years ago we, there was no AR kit or AR core mm-hmm. right so you weren't just looking at it on the phone so she so they they processed it and rendered it for her and they put it on a I don't remember what tower it was but yeah she put on a she put on an HTC Vive and um she started crying and she told me this and I wasn't there when this happened, but she told me she became very emotional. Other people at the company who had been observing her reaction to the material said they got emotional. And, um, and she was like, well, I've never experienced this before. Uh, and, and like, she described this feeling of, uh, looking down and, Seeing her baby when her baby was still a baby and wanting to hold it, you know, there's like this great imagery of her kind of reaching her arms out as mm-hmm. if to hold it, and she stepped back into her own body and she just had <laughs> she had this like crazy experience, and she was like, "I'm yeah, I would love to keep coming back to do this," um, which is funny too because she described this woman Ashley, and she's she's really interesting to interview. She described herself as not a very techy person, um, and I think that's a thing we often kind of have to remind ourselves because we're so involved in tech that most of the general population has not experienced VR headsets. So when you when you do experience it and you have that kind of reaction then you kind of then you kind of see the power of it but until you until you see that you just see a bunch of geeks with these giant ugly headsets on their faces. <laughs> well
0: crying in a VR headset is like not a thing <laughs> that most people think about doing. Um right. because the experience is it's so it's so focused on games right now, right? Um Particularly the higher end VR, I think these <laughs> kinds of experiences, like a new kind of memory, is so it's just so fundamentally interesting. And if it is your memory, then of course it's even more important to you. Whereas, like, if, would you
3: ever say you've had an experience in a VR headset where you've cried, or what would you say is the most powerful VR experience you've had so far, or AR?
0: Um, yeah, I've never been emotional. I think the most powerful ones for me have all been the you know it's the the room it's going to look like you're standing on a cliff and are you are you going to take the step right oh, yeah. even though your brain knows you're in a room your body just believes that you're standing on the edge of some height and you just won't do it and i think mm-hmm. that's great okay we can we can definitely terrify people in vr but like can you create <laughs> uh, can you create another kind of feeling and so i think this is when you go to what usc is doing the show foundation to me the danger of Hey, you can go look at your own kid and you can like get lost in the past when maybe you should like take the headset off and like play with your like real child seems <laughs> like valuable. Like there's something there that's like maybe we don't need those kinds of memories, right? Like you can it's emotional, it's important. It might sell a bunch of headsets, but like is this more valuable than photos? And I I don't know the answers to those questions, but then you go to what USC is doing and it's Obvious that we need at least those kinds of memories because primary source history is so important. So, when you were with the AI people, did you ask them about the value of that memory, or did you just take it as part of a piece with sort of what USC is doing?
3: That's a really good question because A&I does what AI does. Of course, when you ask executives there, they all say the volumetric video is better because that's what they do. So, if you say, "Well, what's the difference between looking at a photo of your kid on your iPhone?" Versus looking at it uh, in in a volumetric format, they'll say, well, it just is more real. It's so much more immersive. You can walk up to them. You can walk around them. One woman who I spoke to there, an executive, um, who, interestingly enough, came from Twitter, um, she she showed uh, an instagram video she had made of her son uh, when he was little um in volumetric one of them was a hologram to this day i'm still not sure which one of her kids was a hologram in this in this instagram video but there was one that was like really little and just about a year and like did the you know one year old baby stumbling drunk thing because they can't walk very well and then there was one that was a little bit older that that was able to stand and walk and and they were juxtaposed with each other and she was like see like this is more interesting in some ways she was saying this, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but like this is more interesting than just looking at a flat 2D photo. Um, Yeah. So I think like, the point that they sort of make—it's not a very good answer right now—but the point is that, well, it's more emotional. It's just more emotional when you experience it that way versus uh, versus another way. And at some point, AI thinks that we're going to be popping into photo booths or popping into department store studios and making holograms instead of flat photos. That's like their vision, which is pretty, which is pretty wild to think about. Um, I think in USC's case at the Showa Foundation, it actually does make a little bit more sense that they. They would marry this very realistic video with natural language processing, because in this case, like the testimonial actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. These people who are genocide survivors, especially the Holocaust um as opposed to more recent genocides, you know, they, they won't be around for very long, for much longer. And um, and so we want to be able to interact with them. Like right now, someone like Pinky Scooter, who was one of the survivors I spoke to, he can go to classrooms, he's still around. Yeah. But at some point he's not. So how do people learn from him then? And I think that's... That was very cool to see.
0: So that's actually a question that came up in sort of the comments that I was reading, and I know that you love it when I read your comments and I ask you questions from them. But uh, <laughs> um, were they good? I, they were great. But the you know I, one of the commenters was saying how f- how long until we do the capture and then an AI is just answering questions directly, and you know it's not a, quite a person anymore. It's like the representation of a person's thoughts and memories. And they're the ones out doing the teaching and then like, obviously, how do you control? Like, are they thinking through all of that or are they just trying to make a more interactive experience?
3: AI didn't really have a concrete answer when I asked that. I think they're just about still about getting their tech into the market and seeing where holographic assets go from there. I did talk to Stephen Smith, the executive director of the Shoah Foundation, and ask him specifically about that. Because they're already at that step where they're using NLP, mm-hmm. and so for me it's like, okay, well, what happens when you start to add in neural networks, yeah. right? And um, and. He said that right now they're making a very clear distinction between what their holograms do and say versus what he calls an android. Yeah. You know, he kept saying, well, you know, there there's an android and then there are these real people and we're just capturing them. And he was very clear to say that whatever Pincus or the other survivors who've been captured as holograms, whatever they're saying right now, those are words they've actually said. They might respond to you in a natural way and answer your question in a way that feels like They're right there. But those are phrases and sentences that those people have said themselves. They're not being manipulated at all. But he said that future is inevitable. Like he was so clear on this is where we're going. Um, And we've already seen stuff with just flat video being manipulated, you know, to show something Obama supposedly said when he really didn't. Right. But there's so much digital data that lives out there now that people are able to cobble it all together and make something of it that... Is fake, Uh, and it's a really big ethical question, and nobody has the answers right now. Like, I wish I had something more insightful to say than that, (laughs) but we don't have the answers right now. But it seems like it could very well happen that these assets, these holographic assets, become take on lives of their own.
0: Yeah, I certainly don't want to suggest that a parent like looking at a hologram with their kid is like trivial, but the stakes of that being manipulated are much lower. Than the stakes mm-hmm. of living history being manipulated, and it's all the same tech. So it's one of those situations where if AI gets really good at it, they have to—they're going to they're gonna have to plan ahead before somebody does something bad. Or if you know the Show Foundation is saying this future is inevitable, somebody—they—they—they're definitely going to have to think about it first before the bad actors start using the stuff. And I think that problem, as we've seen over and over again in tech, particularly recently, is really hard, and it's just. Mm-hmm. This stuff is so interesting. And, like, you know, as they're saying to you, the, the, the emotional power of, of the technology is so great that, of course, people are going to want to use it for different kinds of things. Um, and it just seems like yeah. that is obviously the next set of questions to be answered.
3: Yeah. And not losing sight of the fact, too, that pretty much every major tech company right now is getting into this space. Apple and Google have their own uh, AR, and in Google's case, uh, VR. Platforms. Um, Microsoft just announced that it's doing these holographic studios in San Francisco and London, where people can, uh, you know, rent out the space to tape holograms. And then let's talk about Facebook. (laughs) Facebook, you know, is uh, they have Oculus. Uh, They've been experimenting a lot with this idea of social VR and recreating people as avatars in VR. And Facebook has a little bit of a problem right now with manipulation on its platform. So when you start to, you know, I don't want to connect too many dots. Like sort of in an alarmist way but when you start to think about the bigger picture stuff you could definitely see how manipulation of media could really um, have I don't know just have a big impact in in this type of uh, this type of video format
0: yeah well I think that's a good place to end on the darkest possible note.
3: Yes, dystopian.
0: Sadly, you and I are out of time this week, but tell the people where they can watch Next Level, where it's coming out, how they can look at it, how they can watch this episode, and a little tease of what your next episode's going to be.
3: Absolutely. You can go to TheVerge.com. We have a landing page dedicated to all the Next Level episodes. You can also go to YouTube.com slash TheVerge, and you can find Next Level there. It's on Facebook uh, I think it's on Twitter. It's ev- it's, just, it's everywhere. It's, what did I say last? last I was going to say last season, I think I said it's being beamed directly into your brain. So I'm going to have to come up with some other... It's, this season, we're going to deliver it directly to your backyard by drones. <laughs> yeah. It, there you the go. The future's
0: coming for you. Uh, what's your next episode yeah.
3: about? Speaking of, next episode's about drone detection technology. So, yeah, drones are getting more popular uh if you're a hobbyist, you currently don't have to license your drone in the US. Drones are you know, they're getting in the way sometimes if you're at a natural disaster site or near an airport and so we're talking to some people who've been testing technology that will help maybe keep drones at bay, but we'll see.
0: I will say we'll as, see how it is is the out. current operator of an unlicensed drone. I'm not sure I'm into this, but I'm very I'm ready. I'm ready for the episode.
3: <laughs> We'll see. Oh, you are really going to dig this episode then.
0: Yeah. I'm ready for I actually
3: it. ended up at an airport down in Southern California where we went on a patrol. Wow. Uh, we we go on this patrol on the runway. They clear the runway for us and we get in this giant Tahoe and we're on a patrol with this tech and there was all of a sudden you hear this like this crazy beeping because the the tech has spotted a drone in the distance and I saw the real-time reaction of airport operations specialists being like what's that drone doing over there? Whoa. Like It's it's pretty wild, so you ha- you guys have to check out this episode. Well,
0: that sounds super exciting. Next Level comes out what day? Tuesdays. Tuesdays, Next Level. Everybody tune in, check it out, YouTube, Facebook, all the places you are. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. We'll see you again next
3: week. Thanks, Neil. See everyone next week. Bye.
0: We're back. Lauren was great. Next Level is great. I'm so happy we do that show. No. It makes me, and that episode, you have to watch it. It's just it's very good. It's very good. And the VR baby situation, very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's just fundamentally disturbing. Uh, all right. Like I said, lots of other little news. I really want to talk quickly about what's happening with Logitech because I think it oh my speaks. God. It's like the news yeah. itself is so small and stupid, but I think it's something we're talking about. So Logitech obviously makes Harmony remotes. They had a product in 2011 called the Harmony Link, which was like basically a Wi-Fi IR blaster. It's what it is. It's just how many years are going to go by. And mm-hmm. I'm still talking about IR Blasters.
2: Are, so, you, are you okay, though?
0: I'm not great. Uh, so Harmony Link was a little Wi-Fi IR Blaster mm. connected up to Harmony servers. Harmony the, earlier this week said, we're discontinuing it, no longer supported. Go buy a new one, the Harmony Hub, which is the same kind of thing. People freaked out because they bought this thing. It's working.
2: Well, They're just sitting in their house working. They didn't say, it's no longer supported. It
0: will stop working. It will stop working. Because it needs when you push the button on your phone, it goes up to the cloud and then down to the thing, right. which is an insane way to trigger an IR blaster fundamentally. But that's what they decided to do. Uh, <laughs> like the, that's really absurd. It is bonkers, crazy that you like push a button on your phone and it connects to a cloud service, and then the cloud service connects to your IR blaster, and then it's like TV volume up. That just doesn't seem great. But that's what they did. They sold it. People apparently liked it. So people have a working control system in their house mm-hmm. and logitech said we're done with this we're just breaking it right there was an outcry here's my favorite part of this outcry because logitech had to address this today too mm. logitech's forums censor the phrase class action lawsuit yep. so you, you can't type it into the forums great. <laughs> they had to make an excuse it's like that's because of our our forum service agreement but really they just censor the phrase class action lawsuit. So Logitech came all the way back around. Anybody who has a, a link of any kind, I think their head of product is out there saying like, if you just send us your old link and be like, I got it somehow, we'll they'll just send you a new hub. So they've committed to a mass swap of Harmony links for the new Harmony Hub, which is a much more capable product. How to, does that connect to Alexa? How and all do this they stuff. benefit from I mean, well, they, they want to keep people in the ecosystem, and they don't want to. They don't want to keep running the service what, to support
2: the link. What are their additional effects? What do you mean? Well, Logitech keeps them in the ecosystem, and like, and then what do they get from those people? Well, presumably they, they buy the see.
1: next one. They stay in the
2: ecosystem. They like buy the I, next one.
1: I currently am thinking about buying Universal Remote, and I was looking at buying a Logitech, um, but it's a little bit too much remote for me right now. Right. I I've got all the HDMI CEC stuff going, which works. Like HDMI CEC works, oh, which yeah. is to say medium. It's like um, a, it, but uh, when HDMI it works,
0: CEC is like having a family of
1: arguing siblings, and you have yeah, like one side of food.
0: And that's my Vizio remote
1: screen. with a five way D pad. Now it does successfully operate my Apple TV. So I don't need it, I don't need the Apple TV remote. Yeah. Like, unless I want to talk to Siri, which <laughs> I don't need the Apple TV remote.
0: <laughs> well, what if you want to play um, one of the many great touchpad swiping games available for the Apple TV? Oh, DM? my God.
1: <laughs> but all I want is a button that launches the Netflix app on the Vizio, and it comes with one. That's great. And then it also has a crackle button, which I don't want. Very or confusing. Or it's a, you know, voodoo. I don't know. Something stupid. And I just want a remote that has like the five buttons I actually want. And or like just color codes that I can program, but I don't need a touch screen. I don't need to spend hundreds of dollars. I need a remote that costs six bucks that I could just program. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Um, especially because so many are you have to. You want to integrate it. So like what Logitech
0: is getting is you'll buy the you'll get the hub now for free mm. and you're going to connect it to Alexa and then you're going to use the Alexa skill and then you're going to be all sticky. And then the next time you want to like they're, they're getting happy customers. That's so what they're yeah. getting. Then you probably buy more Logitech stuff because now you're happy. And you can type class action lawsuit into the forum now. Right. But <laughs> the, the real issue here, and I, it's come up, and I'm just curious what you guys think, is when you buy products that are utterly dependent on a cloud service, now you're buying like this long commitment to a company. But they will yep. either charge you a monthly fee for, which I think is what they all want to do, or you're just betting that they won't go out of business or otherwise decide that that cloud service is too expensive to run and i just like it's this is a small thing i don't think a lot of people have harmony links but it's one of those where you piss off the people who do and it
2: becomes a story throughout tech well the, the you know, canary just did this with their um and they had to be, double back as well um they like changed the functionality of the product i think how it should work is that almost any product should work do some basic function without the internet and then possibly receive new functionality over time. Seems like how this link should have worked is it would receive new techniques and capabilities over the internet, but it shouldn't have to ask the internet every time it does anything. <laughs> and then and then you can clarify, and then you can have cloud services that like, like we're going to store some stuff in the cloud for you, like Canary's is doing with video, um, that like are 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 clearly delineated and and can go away but you have some sort of core functionality that is local that that yes. and, and, and so the the end of life of a product is we will no longer continue to update it which is bad because of security and stuff but whatever um and that we won't offer these cloud services anymore but that they're Somehow we described to you when we sold you this product that there is a core functionality that this product that will continue to work.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I have a Logitech One, which is like the last of the Harmony remotes, or the Harmony One, the last of the Harmony yeah. remotes before things just got out of control with Wi-Fi connected IR blasters. Mm-hmm. Um, and to reprogram it, I have to go talk to a cloud service. And I think, like, that to me is like, I don't need this in my life. Mm-hmm. Right, Like, just let me give you an app with all the codes in it, let me plug it into a computer, I'll run the app, I'll program the thing. But Logitech wants it to be smart, and they want to update the database over time. So this piece of hardware that's going to work forever, because it never needs to talk to the internet, will get bricked by software support down the line if I get a new component. Right, And that's like, okay, I, I can sort of make that trade, I think. seems fine. But the it's going to stop working because... Well, there's not a lot of link owners, and we really want to focus on the hub and running that server is expensive. But brick them all, brick them all. That's yeah, but so <laughs> also, Harmony's from, web services gonna, suck. Like, it's not like they took, they needed the resources to make this yeah. the thing better. It's like, man, everything's pretty janky. So <laughs> let's shut, t- the let's link, shut down the
1: oldest theoretically, one. Theoretically, like, how much did the link cost when it first came out? I don't even remember. It was I mean, it's okay. it's ca- call it 250 bucks, whatever. I don't know, whatever. Some like, and it's it's p- theoretically a five year old product. Yeah do you think that 250 like should Logitech have have said we'll continue to support this product after 3 years but we're going to charge you 2 bucks a month yeah
0: i mean that's a choice but or you know just tell everybody hey in 6 months we're discounting this all of you get a discounted harmony hub or right. they they just mismanaged all of that messaging anyway yeah, it, for sure the point of this is really not the harmony link because Again, I think very few people had them. They just happened to be very vocal. I think it's we just have to be thinking constantly about when you buy the thing that's actually an avatar for a web service, you might have actually purchased nothing, which is not how we think about hardware usually.
1: But okay. if you make it I'm, I'm doing it again. You guys ready? <laughs> yeah. If you make the thing open, jailbreakable, unlockable, dev modable from the jump, then when your web service inevitably dies Users that love that product for whatever insane reason can band together, unlock the thing, and do stuff with it. This is exactly what happened with WebOS. <laughs> like, I'm just saying you can go to Palm or Palm CE or whatever it is, like WebOS CE, that, that whole thing, and you can go and you can install a Twitter app that still works and has been updated for 280 on your touchpad or on your Palm Pre like, 3. You've got to be a huge, crazy nerd to f- make a Palm Pre 3 work in this day and age. But it is possible because you can get the thing going, and you can type in the Konami code, and you can go. If Apple goes belly up tomorrow, every single iPhone on the planet is gone, Uh, and that's a bummer. Like maybe maybe these things should be a little bit more unlockable and openable from the beginning, and then that protects us as consumers from if the cloud service goes down. Agreed, hundred percent. Midwestern man rages against cloud. <laughs> That's not what
0: just happened. <laughs> no, I agree with theater Jailbreak all the things. All right, Paul, I want to ask you about this story because I think it's really interesting, but I don't really understand it. Something is happening at Intel.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. So this is very exciting. They
0: have teamed up with AMD, which is not a normal thing to have happen. Right. Historically, the greatest rivals in the world, Intel and AMD. <laughs> There was a time. <laughs> Michael Jordan Lightbird. <Larry> <laughs> there was a time. <laughs> uh uh but historically fierce rivals. Yes. Now whatever. Well AMD is making a comeback. Anyway, they 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 have teamed up to make a new chip mm-hmm. to rival NVIDIA. But then Intel also hired an exec from Apple and AMD
2: to lead its own GPU effort. Right. So Apple or Intel hired uh Raja Koduri. Mm-hmm who had worked at AMD, and before then he worked at Apple, and before that he worked at AMD, and before that he worked at ATI. Yeah. Which AMD bought. So a a graphics chip legend, apparently. Here's what surprised me. I assumed Intel did not want to do a good job. (laughs) Intel has been making integrated graphics forever. And they basically... They're like the baseline, like basically an Intel integrated graphics chip can barely run World of Warcraft and it can do some really good stuff with like you know, like video transcoding and video playback. But that's basically what they what they're for. Um, and, you know, an integrated chip is sharing RAM between um, the GPU and the CPU. Um, it just you know, it's just got a, a, a real serious performance ceiling. But I didn't know that there was anything stopping Intel from creating a discrete graphics chip, which it seems like what they're doing with AMD. They're partnering with AMD to make some sort of uh, discrete graphics that are still bridged very closely to the CPU. So that should. I watched the work video. Really well. The
0: video is bonkers. The video is like a lot of sweet, like swoopy CGI. And then, like rectangles stacking on other rectangles. While the narrator's like, That's what GPUs do. Yeah. And the the narrator's like, Only Intel can stack these rectangles (laughs) in this way with our high performance rectangle stacking technology.
2: So the thing is, uh, NVIDIA's um, discrete graphics for laptops are getting way better recently. And they're, you know, the the new um, Surface book. Yeah, I think it's the Surface Book. There's so many different Surfaces. (laughs) It's one of the Surfaces. I
0: think it's the Book. It's getting like a NVIDIA
2: 1050 or 1060. Um, So you're getting good graphics in smaller form factors, and it's cool. And the other thing is Intel's always done a really good job at providing drivers for its integrated graphics. So like a lot of times when you're running Linux, you can barely even work with a discrete graphics card. But you always got that trusty uh, Intel integrated graphics. So hopefully... Um, like this, this could be the the final f- great Linux laptop. <laughs> also, also You're it means done. also it I, means I part of this. also it means you might get the final great uh, Apple laptop because Apple has avoided these NVIDIA chips for whatever reason. Because they hate games. They hate video games and gamers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a they're Intel's trying to make a move and they. They're like, Internet of things, that'll be Intel. Like we're making modems now. And now they're just refocusing on what if our laptop chips were really good. Yeah. Which seems fascinating to me. But what's the timeline here?
2: I have no idea. I mean oh, it's, like, ch-
1: it's it's only like
2: five years before
1: they figure it out.
0: No.
2: <laughs> I bet this chip is gonna be in laptop. It'll be it's gonna be part of Intel's eighth. Generation. The the
0: Intel AMD hybrid thing.
2: Yeah. That'll be soon. Yeah. But they're just booting up. Intel making GPUs. I have no idea. It just seems weird to,
0: in the same breath as we're teaming up with AMD to rival NVIDIA, to then be like, also, we've hired this person who used to to work at AMD to rival (laughs) AMD and NVIDIA. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. They're like, these graphics, people love them. We should get good at that. (laughs) I have a cousin who (laughs) has a nephew, and he just loves graphics. He's so into computers. (laughs) He can just do anything with a computer. He says graphics (laughs) are the future. All right, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read read an ad, and then we uh, we're gonna have a conversation about mergers. Ooh, everyone! No, we're gonna talk about interesting things, but also mergers. This episode of the Vergecast brought to you by the Art of Shaving. What is the secret of a well-groomed guy, Paul? It, shaving. It's the art of shaving. Founded in New York in 1996, the art of shaving has been helping guys look their best for over 20 years. Art of shaving has your total routine covered, whether it's shaving, beard maintenance, hair, skin, body, fragrance. Yeah, you smell good too. Art of shaving's award-winning products are formulated with the highest quality botanical ingredients, featuring pure essential oils. There's four elements of the perfect shave, which have been created to deliver smooth results every day. You start by prepping your skin with our signature pre-shave oil. Then you create a thick, foamy lather with shaving cream applied with a shave brush. Then you shave. Then you replenish the moisture you've lost with aftershave balm. You finish off the perfect shave with one of five fragrances, and here they are listed in order:
1: sandalwood and cypress, oud suede. Every Ve- week, <laughs> I have a bad week, but I know I can look forward to the Verge Cast and sit here and listen to the art of shaving ad and get to hear Neil say oud suede. Oud suede. It makes my week,
0: I prefer to say so I- vetiver citron. Green lavender, and coriander and cardamom. Each of these colognes has been carefully assembled for a distinctive scent. I did not know you assembled colognes, but you take a nude, you take a suede, you put them together, got nude <laughs> suede. The art of shaving offers a convenient replenishment service that allows you to save on your favorite products while never having to worry about having hair on your face. It, uh, the sentence isn't finished, so I'm just guessing that's what it says. <laughs> Our listeners will receive 15% off their first order and free shipping by using the promo code VERGE. To get this offer, go online to theartofshaving.com. Use that promo code VERGE to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. So, again, visit theartofshaving.com for the special offer. Or if you want to see a grooming expert, go into one of the many retail locations undoubtedly near you. All right, Paul. Yeah. In the rundown, it is now huge and yellow. Uh Uh-huh it's the text is, also, also it's a, comic sans comic sans it's red text highlighted in yellow the text is so big it just says paul seg and then i have to scroll to
2: another page for Mint. but every week you do a segment yeah which is called it's called one two one and you spell out one then it's the number two and then you could say w-o-n just Ooh. i don't know or just o n e yeah you're two to your own taste Um, And it's about how, in VR, we're making everything, again, that already exists in real life. (laughs) And uh, Logitech is coming out with this thing called Logitech Bridge. Right now, they've only seeded it to, like, 50, or they're going to give it to 50 developers to, like, try it out. Um, But it uses HTC's uh, Vive uh, tracking disk thing. They're little, like, I don't know what you how you even describe it. it's basically it's like a beacon it's like here i am in 3d space and then that connects to a whole logitech keyboard and then in vr you see a one-to-one representation of the keyboard in vr and when you push the keys the keys go down but the real crazy thing and i think they're using the Vives front-facing cameras for that is they can see your hands as well so you see your hands floating out in front of the keyboard. And the keyboard is just a 3D model being rendered, but it's in the exact space that your actual keyboard is. It's this this one special Logitech keyboard is. And then you can see yourself type. So now you can type in VR. They did. It. They solved it. <laughs> well, you need it. I, yeah. I think you need especially if these... VR things get like higher resolution and you really want to stay in there. If there if a VR headset was both lighter and higher resolution and you wanted to hang out in there and do work in there, you definitely want to see the keyboard and this is one way to do it.
0: I mean, I'm just saying Matrix was typing, or Matrix. Neo was typing in the Matrix all the time. Yeah, you got to type. Yeah, type 1 to 1. 121. Two, one. But why would it be W O N? I don't know. It's just one because you've won. Against the reality of typing
2: VR keyboards don't break well, but this is based on a physical keyboard that could break <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's that's the real question if you break this keyboard in real life, does the VR one break too interesting hmm. so one way to find out getting that headset be one of 50 lucky developers <laughs> <laughs> All right I wasn't lying about merger
0: news there's two things happening in this world one, We don't have to dwell on either one of them, but they're important. AT&T is trying to buy Time Warner. We've talked about it a lot. Justice Department says, hey, AT&T, you want to buy Time Warner, you got to sell Turner, which owns CNN, or you got to sell DirecTV.
1: Effectively Or the Justice Department didn't say that, and it was somebody floating the idea to see what would happen because CEO Randall Stevenson said, today, no, they never said that to me. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. He also said, I'm never selling CNN. Yeah. So obviously the the this is interesting to me for a variety of reasons. One of which is the operating rumor. I wouldn't even call it a theory. The rumor is that Donald Trump, President of the United States, hates CNN, was against the deal when he was a candidate. Now he's oh, president. Right. Donald
1: Trump hating CNN is not a theory. That is a fact. Okay.
0: It that's a fact, but you put okay. all the pieces together to make it the rumor. And I so see. he's saying I I want to punish CNN, and the way I'll do that is I'll force AT&T to sell it if they want to buy Time Warner. I'll block this deal to punish CNN. That's It's out there. It's definitely out there. It's been reported that way in some publications. Other publications are reporting other things entirely, which one of which is the career lawyers of the Department of Justice don't like this deal because media consolidation and letting giant companies get bigger is bad. Right. And that's their job is to block deals, block mergers for antitrust reasons. So it's this is the moment we're in. And where I'm at is I actually don't think distribution companies should buy media companies. I think it's healthy for all the media companies to compete for access. So the canonical example here disclosure, Comcast investor in Vox Media, which is a Verge's parent company, but Comcast bought NBC Universal. Mm hmm. NBC Universal is a media company. Comcast is a distribution company. They had to sign an agreement with the Department of Justice, a consent decree, saying we, we will never preferentially treat NBC content on our networks for a period of years. So for like five years. Pref- for five years. It's, 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 yeah. it's expiring.
2: And then it's gonna get good. <laughs> good.
0: good. It's crazy. So net neutrality is out the window. They can pr- they can prefer anything, even during the time of that agreement. Bloomberg is saying, hey, Comcast and its cable grid put CNBC up there and we are buried at the bottom of the list. Why can't we go up there either? They're obviously preferring themselves. And it's like, where hey, do you go? Where's it up there? You keep on pointing up. I don't know where
1: you're so talking yeah, like. in yeah, the yeah channel, channel grid. On channel the guide. guide. Oh, so listings?
0: Yeah. So actually placement in those listings is hotly contested. And People... apparently not alphabetical. It's not, it's definitely not alphabetical. It's grouped. Placement in those listings is such uh like it's so conflict ridden. That there are, there's a special court inside the FCC that handles these disputes. So, like, the golf channel is, like, suing some tiny cable company. This, this sounds like old people stuff. Yeah, right? But this is why you don't. Which, which this th- is why the internet's better. Because you yes. just type in the thing you want and it comes yes. to you at the same
2: speed. Let them merge and be old together. <laughs> <laughs> and make bad old person decisions <laughs> while I watch Twitch.
0: Yeah. But you don't want. You don't want AT&T to slow down Twitch because it's owned by Amazon, which competes with HBO.
2: Let them which do is a whole bad old people thing so that they can die off as a company quickly. But AT&T is not going to die because
0: DirecTV's channel listings are preferred. Right? They're going to continue yeah. to succeed. And the issue is Amazon and HBO compete. So, AT&T on its mobile
2: network wants to punish Amazon. If AT&T gets, well, for one, I'm not an AT&T subscriber, so they can't really do it right now. But if they find a way to get between me and my Twitch TV, I think Jeff Bezos will be there. uh, Sorry,
1: Paul, Paul. uh, Verge editorial guidelines require you to refer to him
2: as Swole Jeff. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Swole Jeff will probably repel from a... A helicopter and deliver to me <laughs> yeah. my streaming content that I desire. Do you think All by a drone? He, he, he could get he could buy a Whole Foods. You think he can't get me a like a 1080p stream? So what I'm saying is if you're ATT, you're
0: saying, hey Jeff, swell Jeff. Yeah. I just somehow have agreed to this term. <laughs> uh, JB, let me talk to you. You got enough money to buy this grocery store. Yeah. Give us give us some extra money to stream Twitch. And I, he'll say, no, you don't make HBO pay that money. You just give it away for free. Yeah. And AT&T's like, yeah, we own it. Whatever. Let them fight it out. They're old, rich people. They can <laughs> do whatever they want. No, that's bad. That's terrible. So gonna, that's why you don't want AT&T to own Time Warner, because you don't want that fight to exist. They can fight all they want. But what's going to happen is
1: that you're... In the meantime, you don't get your Twitch TV.
2: Right, until so they pay. I think I'm going to get my Twitch TV is my theory. <laughs> Based on? The things I know. I get my <laughs> Twitch TV, and old people fight about listing their stupid TV <laughs> channels that don't matter.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, the Paul Miller's antitrust doctrine. That's <laughs> right. Old people are doing stuff, but I'm still watching Twitch. Anyway, this is a – I don't know how to impress upon – the average human being that the AT&T Time Warner deal is a huge thing and that Trump is blocking it potentially out of spite or he's not blocking it and a bunch of lawyers it, with like, you know, books and interest laws. That appears pres- to be
2: not the case. What powers does the president have to direct the d- Department of Justice? Well, the do you, they work for him. Yeah. That's part of the
0: executive the branch. Um, so what's interesting is before Trump took office, a lot of people were like, I hate this idea. But it seems legally OK because they, they're not competitors, so they're not merging and consolidating power in the market. It's their vertical merger. And now the same person who said, this is probably fine, is on the head of antitrust at the DOJ. And he's like, ah, we should block it. And it's unclear why he's changed his mind. Peter Kafka wrote a great article on Recode about it. Um, it's out there. And I think what is particularly of in- note and interest to Verge cast listeners is this is going to be very distracting for at and all right, AT&T's desire, Verizon's desire, um, is the to Comcast's desire is to capture media companies and then use the media company content to differentiate their products, which is f- a fair desire. It is not to compete on quality of service. So Verizon's desire is to own AOL and Yahoo and whatever, and then track all your activities across the entire web and build an advertising business to compete with Google and Facebook. Maybe you like this, maybe you don't. Uh, One outcome is that they've signed a huge deal with the NFL, and now you cannot stream NFL content on any mobile network except Verizon's mobile network, which is super annoying. AT&T's desire is to buy Time Warner um, and have Game of Thrones stream for free, HBO stream for free, CNN stream for free on AT&T networks, and you have to pay through the mechanism of your data cap to stream it on any other network. Comcast bought NBC, literally prevented from doing those things. The the consistent analysis is it's basically two different companies. They just shared some leadership, but they operate completely independently. The conditions will expire. It will be very fast for Comcast to start doing things like preferential streaming of NBC content. I think all of that's bad because in the middle of that is they are all competing with Amazon and Netflix, and they will do bad things to deteriorate those and promote their own services via the mechanism of their networks. And I think that's when the net neutrality debate is going to come to its conclusion because nobody wants that and Netflix is very good at making that argument the end that's my merger story for the day there's another one out there which is much more boring which is Broadcom (laughs) Broadcom wants to buy Qualcomm Qualcomm's falling apart
1: yeah Qualcomm's falling apart but like the immediate reaction to Broadcom among everybody else who was isn't a tech nerd was like what who what and then among tech nerds it was like they make crappy modems. I don't understand. They're I mean, back. they make other stuff. Like they're, they, they, they've they got the money to try and buy Qualcomm.
0: Yeah, um, how
1: could they be more?
0: They're not. They're a little bit smaller, but they know they Qualcomm smaller. is failing. The, the only yeah. thing that's super the, interesting the, about the, this the,
1: the,
0: yeah. is Broadcom literally moved its headquarters to the United States, and the next day they're like, we're buying Qualcomm. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Like they
0: moved in. Yeah. They opened their doors like,
2: Qualcomm, maybe come they, on over. Maybe they can call the new company com com
1: all i want is that's I the end of the verge cast everybody we're done somebody on somebody made the joke that all all we want from broadcom and qualcomm is to agree on how many m's belong in the word com because <laughs> they, they each have a different answer to that question and it's very annoying
0: <laughs> i always type in both with two oh
1: that's the worst
0: all right that's it like i said a lot of little news this week but the, all uh, pointing at big things what about the xbox I mean, oh, Xbox One, Xbox One, Xbox oh, One, Xbox One, yeah. Xbox One—the most recursive name in history. It came out. We up. had it on Circuit Breaker Live. We did. I will say this: that shit is hot as hell. Like, I don't we mean to like stand good. behind
2: it while it
0: blasted. I, I mean, it—it it was so hot. Megan was wearing a necklace, like a metal necklace, and it, the necklace got hot, like warm to the touch because the Xbox One X
2: blasts so much hot, hot air out of it. It was like uncomfortable to stand near. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, I I don't know maybe the maybe I'm dumb, but it just feels like What is the point of a console anymore? To have it and then play games on yeah, it.
1: Yeah, no, you're. I, I'm 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 team console. I am not going to deal with building a PC. What? I am not as serious a gamer as you. I just want to play my Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to play my Doom, and I want to not have to think about it. And a console like. That's its entire purpose is to let me play games and not have to think about it.
2: I well, love that. But that's the thing is they're trying to make you have to think about it. Like, well, do I get this uh, one so, so it runs at 30 frames per second 1080p or to get this one so it runs at 60 frames per second 1080p? Or what if it could be in 4K 60? I don't – you know, it's just like I, – I feel, I feel like right, right now should be like the glory times of a console where yeah. – the consoles are getting a little old, but the games are so optimized that uh, you get like they're coming fast and quick and great. And instead, we're just still it's all it's all about it's all about specs, which is what PCs mm-hmm. excel at.
1: Yeah, hey, Nelia, how many lights on the Xbox One X? Just the one. Okay.
0: Atmos, but no vision. I don't know Dan keeps giving me TV boxes to review. Like I have a new TiVo. The F is that man. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> uh, the TiVo app, by the way, and the iPhone ten, pure garbage. Really? It, well, they never updated it for the iPhone what six screen size. So what? it's like the, it's the wrong screen size, but zoomed. It's just an incredible mess. That's the whole review. I'll publish a review. Whatever. It's nice. It's pretty. Blah blah blah. The app is a hot mess, and that's it. It's been a long episode. Lots of little news. And we're in that moment where all this stuff is out. It's holiday shopping season. Yeah. The news is going to be up and down here. It's time to spend time with your family. Yeah. Go home and make a ketchup sandwich for your mom, just like she used to make for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do want to
2: say 280 characters on Twitter is fine.
0: It's fine. It's been – it's coming fine. handy a couple of times.
2: Yeah. Every Every day I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like t- quit Twitter in like a storm of hatred. But then I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't want to be, I don't want to be a part of a mob. The Twitter story. It's just
0: there and I can't get rid of it. Um, that's it. There's a lot of stuff in this world that The Verge is making right now. I implore you to watch and read and listen to all of it. So like I said at the top, Ashley and Caitlin got a great new podcast. Why would you push that button? Go listen to it. It is rocketing up the charts. It's just the best. They're also taking audio messages now. So people are, like, recording voice memos about their own button stories. They're going to do a holiday yeah, spectacular. You can email them
1: at uh, button at theverge.com.
0: Yeah, check that out. It's, it's just so great. It's one of my favorite things. Um, Lauren Good, who is on the show today, is doing Next Level. Go watch Next Level. Lauren's also got a podcast with Kara Swisher called Too Embarrassed to Ask, which is wonderful. Kara Swisher has a podcast called Recode Decode. Peter Kafka has a podcast called Recode Media. All those are great. Part of the Vox family. There are no other podcasts in the Vox family worth listening, especially not Ezra's Klein's.
2: What does Ezra Klein produce? Were I too? I'm just interested. You just want to know? You just want me to say the names of his shows? I'm just curious about other ships.
0: Uh, they're, They're not, whatever. They're fine.
1: You Nellie's know, just mad that this is called The Verge Cast, and Ezra's show is called The Ezra Klein Show.
0: It's really irritating. Oh! <laughs> Anyhow, uh, there's tons of wonderful Verge and Vox stuff in this world to listen to. Go listen to it all. Uh, and there's lots of videos being made, just all kinds of stuff. We're doing the Circuit Breaker Live show on Twitter. Which is a lot of fun. On Tuesdays. It's super fun. We're basically pairing things with Bluetooth and seeing yeah, how well it goes. We're just hanging out And th- the answer with is gadgets. Medium. I would say we bring Ashley on to that show and force her to pair Bluetooth things, and it goes about as well as you expect every yeah. week for an hour. So watch that on Twitter. The replay is on the site on Wednesdays, and then Russell, Megan, and I are doing the Mister Robot after show. We actually had Sam Esmell on the show this week, and we were on USA. We were on the TV. Real great, TV. Great fun. Uh, so if you're watching Mister Robot, check that out. And that is it. Well, that is the Vergecast. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll.
1: Paul. Promo code. <laughs>